You guys, let's go ahead and uh, just want to pray. I was I was back there listening to the music, and I was I just I don't know, just I was thinking about just the church and where we are as a body of believers, and and just where we are today. And and I just I felt God just speaking to me. I was back there, and, and he was just like, just pray for a little bit. And um, I just want to do that. Uh, we don't normally just do like improv stuff like that here, but uh, we're going to do it today. So if you would please just bow your heads again. And um, God, no matter where everyone's at here today, would you just meet us where we are? God, if we're at the, the highest of our mountains, if we're at the lowest of our lows, if we're confused about life, if we're... Uh, just if we think we have everything right, if we are just certain of the plan that we have made for ourselves, if we are uncertain for the will that you have for us, may you just find us wherever we are at along this trail of life. And Lord Jesus Christ, may the, the Spirit of the living God be with us today. And I proclaim it again, may the Spirit of the living God be with us today. Lord, may we love you passionately. God, may we pursue you uh, radically. God, may we just have reckless abandon in our lives when it comes to the things of you, Lord. May we just have just carelessness and, and, and dance around you, Lord, in your presence. May we just be amazed by your glory. May we just be overwhelmed by the, the, the grace that you have given us, Lord. May we know your name here today. May we know the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I, I, am, I am running on about two and a half, maybe three hours of sleep, so it's going to be a fun day. We call it Wacky, Wacky Sundays here at Impact City when the pastor hasn't slept much because usually crazy stuff starts to happen. But what I wanted to do, uh, as by the way, we have the kids in the room here today. It's totally cool. Like, don't you worry about the kids. I got my kids who will probably be the craziest of them all. They're going to be getting up, getting snacks, and they're going to be getting fruit and stuff like that. Listen, parents, pull out your phones if, if, if you're like you need to keep them entertained. Whatever it takes, don't worry about it. I can edit it off the podcast. It's going to be fine. It's going to be cool. So y'all just go ahead, enjoy your notes. We're family. Somos familia here. You know what I mean? So you just chill. It's like being at home, but without, like, the yelling and— Well, we do got the yelling and the screaming here sometimes. So, guys, hey, as we are welcoming this family here, here in Corpus, I want to give a big shout-out to everyone listening on the podcast. If you've been following us on Facebook, uh, you'll know that I give a, give a little po- uh, shout-out to everyone on, on the podcast. But I was looking at—we uh, have a podcast that we record as sermons every week. If you don't know about that, you can actually go on iTunes— and you can subscribe to our, our channel on iTunes. And every week, the, the sermon will update on your phone automatically or on your computer. But I was looking at some of the statistics from this past month. Just this month alone, we've had about 68% of our podcasts being listened to from somewhere out, outside of San Jose, California. Now, I don't know what that's about, but, you know, it's there. It's there. Um, we've also had uh, uh, our friends down in New Zealand. Uh, guys, when we started the church, we were really um, strategic about the name of the church. 
So we searched the databases here in America, and when we actually started the church, there really was no other Impact City Church. None in Texas, none in America, okay? Since we've started the church, there's another church now that, that I think it's in Missouri. Um, it's actually called Impact City Church as well. But when we started, there was no church. There was one church, though, in New Zealand called City, City Impact Church. Okay, City Impact Church is one of the largest churches in New Zealand. And for some crazy reason, we started getting people on our Facebook page from New Zealand liking our page, right? And they were like, oh, we love service. I'm like, you weren't even here, you know? And I started realizing these cats have it confused with their, with their church down there, right? I don't know how because we're like kind of dark and kind of like urban and they're like bright and neon, but it, it worked. And so um, they've actually, and you know, it's funny because they still listen to the podcast today. So uh, from all you people way down under, hello, you know, just, you know, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for listening. And what I wanted to do here, guys, today is I wanted to show them how much we care about them here on, on here in, in the live audience, if we even have that, if we even consider this. But can you all just give everyone a round of applause really loud so the mic can pick it up right. and tell them thank you so much? Because it, it, it pumps me up to know that, you know? And we had people from all the way from the Mission uh, to San Antonio. We've had people from Dallas to Houston listening. We've had people from Kansas all the way up to Missouri uh, the, just this past month alone. You know, and then, of course, from California all the way to Australia. And so it's been awesome. It's been a really amazing, or as they would say down south in Australia, awesome. And so um, if you would please, let's just, let's just, okay, Felix, just be quiet. Let's just get started, okay? Open your Bibles up to Mark 4, 35. If you don't have your Bibles, we have some in the back. That is our gift to you today. Um, we're going to be closing out um, chapter 4 in the whole Gospel of Mark series. Chapter 4 here, we're going to be closing out today. Um, we have come four chapters deep into the, the book of Mark. That's four out of 16 chapters in the book of Mark. Now, if we keep going at this rate, we're doing about four chapters every six weeks. If we keep going at this rate, we will finish the book of Mark in another year and a half. So I hope you're liking it. If you're not liking it, it's going to be like this. Probably, it's, I mean, it's going to get better, of course. Um, if you're one of those people that like, like, little four-week series, like, that's, that's kind of not what we do here very often. So, a year and a half. Uh, up until this point in the book of Mark, I'll just kind of do a quick little recap because we're still, we're still here. Um, we have had uh, John the Baptist doing some pretty gnarly things out there. Um, we've had um, Jesus' temptation out in the wilderness. We've had the, the calling of all the disciples down by the Sea of Galilee when they were fishing. We've had the healing of lepers. We've had the casting out of demons, which tends to happen a lot here in the book of Mark. We've had the healing of the sick. And we've had Jesus actually eating and having a party with sin. Guys, here in Impact City, we love the party. And so Jesus is doing the same thing. He's kind of celebrating with some of the sinners and the tax collectors there in, 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 the, in, the, in Matthew's house. And so we've had learned all of these things up until this part. But today, today we're going to just kind of close out chapter 4. So if you guys are ready, if you guys are on chapter 4, if you have it on your phone, if you're in your Bible, if you're at chapter 4, say you're ready. One, two, three, you're all ready? ready. You're ready. All right, let's get going. Mark 4.35 says, And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him 
with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the storm, in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Let me just hold up on that. Can you just imagine Jesus, like, cuddled up with a cushion? I just, I just, I just thought it was funny that they had to mention the word cushion in the boat. Right, anyway, like, who goes on the, on the water and says, you know what, bro, don't forget my, don't forget my cushion, bro, because I want it to be soft. <laughs> Sorry. ADD, sitting in. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear, and he said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So at the beginning of chapter 4, we find Jesus teaching by a shoreline. And this shoreline was the beach of the Sea of Galilee. Now don't get the name confused. The Sea of Galilee was nothing more than just a lake. But it was a really big lake. It was about 680 feet below sea level in the middle of Judea. And it was about 680 feet below sea level. And it was surrounded by these hills. And it was surrounded by these big hills. And it was, a, it was relatively a small lake, about 13 miles long, 7 miles wide. It was about 150 feet deep, which made for amazing fishing, guys. Small body of water, deep water for it to, for the fish to grow, but it was small enough for everyone to kind of throw some nets in there and always yield good fishing from in there. It was, um, uh, the historian Josephus said that at any one time, it was such a mecca for, for, for people to be there, at any one time, that there could be over 300 boats and fishing, uh, fishing crews on the lake at any one time. That's how busy this lake was. This is the same lake that when Jesus walked by, he saw the, the brothers fishing on it, Andrew and Peter, and he said, hey, come follow me. This is the same lake where he called James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and he said, you guys, come follow me. Don't forget, forget about your dad, bro. Forget about your business and come follow me. And they did, and they dropped everything. This is the same lake that when Jesus was walking with with his disciples, he spotted Matthew, the tax collector, taking the taxes from the fish that were caught that day. And he told Matthew, come follow me. And they followed him. This lake provided a living for so many people. Fishermen were fishing on it. Uh, net makers were selling their nets. Boat makers were making boats. They were, it was a mecca for so much uh, trading, so much business was there. Tr- uh, people were, were, were making a living on this Sea of Galilee. This sea was amazing. It provided a lot of resources for the people of the town. But because of its geology and because of the way it was, it was uh, settled into the land so deep, surrounded by hills, it kind of became a little wind tunnel. And it was subject to so many 
um, violent storms that would just pop up out of nowhere. See, the water was so deep, so it would, there was a lot of low-pressure air there, and so the wind would come over, and it would just kind of make violent storms and rain from out of nowhere. It was a very dangerous lake. It wasn't an easy lake to work on. All the disciples at one time worked there, and this is where we find Jesus and his disciples out there on the water. If you remember, they were teaching by the shoreline. He was telling everyone all the parables and they're on one end of the lake, and he's like, man, the parable of the seed and the sower, the parable of the lampshade, and the parable of, of the mustard seed and all that. And then after all of that, Jesus is like, man, I'm tired. And the Bible says that in the evening, he said, let us go to the other side. And so they got into the boat, and they, they started going. And while they're going, the scripture said that a great storm arose. And they caught him by surprise. And it must have been a pretty bad storm, you know? Because these, these disciples grew up on that lake. Like these disciples were fishing on this lake since they were kids. These disciples, that, they, that was their trade. That's what they did. Like if you go to work, you know what's going to happen at work. These disciples knew that that lake had violent storms. And say They went out on the lake and they got crazy wild. And it was so bad that it even scared the disciples. They were frightened. They were like, holy crap, Jesus, I'm scared. He says, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? When he used the word perishing, I literally believe that they were thinking they were going to die. I'm just, I'm just putting two and two together here. If we say, I, Jesus, I'm perishing, you're thinking you're going to die. It must have been a bad storm, guys, for them to be that scared. Well, listen, they, they've been through storms before. They've been through storms before they even knew who Jesus was. And they had made it through those storms too. But for some reason, this storm caused them to just, just, just totally lean on Jesus. I can imagine they didn't wake him up right away. They probably were like, man, we can, I, think, I think we can take the water out of the boat ourselves. Guys, start scooping with your hands, man. This storm was bigger and better than any of the ones they had ever been to. And that's where I want to start the parallel between them and us today. In the storm that they were in, in the storm of their, the the biggest storm of their life, I want to see the parallels between that storm and the storms of life that we go through. At any point in time, you're either fixing to go into a storm. You're either fixing to go into a storm, you're coming out of a storm, you're right smack dab in the middle of a storm. And it's because of that, I think that knowing what to do during those times will help us uh, kind of be carried through those storms and help us survive those storms in life. Because you can't stop it from coming, you know what I mean? Like how many times have you guys seen the storms come and you're like, I'm going to stand outside and I'm going to tell you just better not, be better back off. You ain't going to come to my house, yo. You can't do that. I mean, you can pray for God to, to, God, please don't let the hurricane come. But if it doesn't hit you, it's going to hit up north a little bit further in Victoria or Houston, you know what I mean? It it won't stop coming. And one day you're going to be sitting here and someone's going to be praying down south in Brownsville like, oh, I hope the storm don't come. It's going to come hit Corpus or something, you know? It's going to come. 
The storm is going to come. You can spend hours watching the weather and trying to study the weather and try and predict when and where the storm will be so that you cannot be there, so you can avoid it. But in reality, you can't judge the weather. You can't predict the weather the same way that dead wrong Dale can't predict the weather, guys. Who's dead wrong Dale? (laughs) He's our local weather guy. He's always wrong, yeah. But, but, okay, side note. Weatherman is like the one job that you, you can't get fired for being wrong. Because you can't predict the weather, right? Like, you can be like, it's going to be sunny today, and then like, boom, thunderstorm. You're like, well, you can't predict the weather, man. And so you can't get fired for that. I love that, you know. Uh, so, so Jesus even said it like this. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. He said that in, 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 in Luke. He said, in this life, you will have trouble. So it is ridiculous for us not to understand that we will go through trouble in life. It is ridiculous for us to think that we will never see a storm in our life. It is ridiculous to think that, that a loved one will never die. It is ridiculous to think that we will never be without a job one day, that we could maybe be kicked out of our house. And we are all about three paychecks away from being homeless. Did you all know that? If you do your, your work right, if you're responsible, and we're talking about being responsible, and you prepare, you might be good. But if you don't prepare, and you're living week to week, you're one paycheck from being homeless. And so it is ridiculous to think that you will never uh, be in the position to maybe be fired or laid off. And so we have to, to understand that that, that that is a reality, that storms could come. When, if you're pregnant, it's a reality you can have a miscarriage. It's a reality. So what do we do when we have those, those storms in life, those, the, 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 the times of depression, those those dark times. I think we have about three things that we can do to be ready for those storms. Number one, if you're taking notes, before the storm, prepare. Before the storm, prepare. The storm that the disciples in were, they kind of caught them off guard. I mean, let's be honest, they weren't expecting it. But to be honest, though, they were always caught off guard. The disciples were always like, duh, like, what's going on? And Jesus was like always teaching them something. And he'd be like, well, this is what God says, and this is what, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And they're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? And, and they'd be, he'd be like, well, this is, what, this is how, if you're going to live, this is how you were doing. And they're like, well, like, what does that mean? Or They were always surprised by the things that Jesus did. They were always caught off guard. They would ask Jesus some of the dumbest questions that he had ever heard before. And they never seem to pay fully attention to Jesus. They're a lot like us. They like Jesus for the cool things, but they never fully pay attention to him in every aspect of his life, even though they were living and walking right by him. They weren't prepared for things. Um, each year we have a hurricane preparedness plan here at our house. And you go to HB, you get the KDLI, um hurricane preparedness plan. And so you stock up on food, and you stock up on, on water. Everyone stocks up on batteries. Everyone stocks up on, like, cat food for your cat, if you love your cat. If you're like me, you just let the cat go. Count it as a win. Everyone stocks up on gasoline. If you have a generator, uh, if you have anything that can, you know, power you want to stock up that. Some of y'all stock up on beer and fajitas, you know, like, it's like, you got to get the essentials. I need charcoal. 
And if propane for the grill, if you use a propane grill, you're not a man. I mean, like, if you use an electric grill, you're, you're not even in the same human species as us, man. I saw that on, on Groupon there, the electric grill. I'm like, man, I hope one of my friends buys that just so I can jack with them so much. So, so you're prepared. The point is you're prepared for something. You're prepared. When, when you're in the military, you're fixing to, to be shipped off to sea. So they, you just go in there, you, get, you, you sign the paper and say, okay, man, get in the plane, go. Here's your gun, go for it. I hope you can figure out which way to point it. No, you prepare, you train. The Dallas Cowboys, they need to prepare more. I mean, they prepare. You're prepared. We see it throughout Scripture. We see uh, Joseph telling the, 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 the Pharaoh, the king of, of Egypt, he goes, Man, I had this, this dream that you had. I'm interpreting that. We're going to have seven awesome years of harvest and everything. And then we're going to have seven really bad years. And so what we need to do, we need to prepare in the good times so that when the bad times come, when all the trouble comes, we'll be ready. And he says that we're going to store up grain. We're going to store up food and resources. And when the bad seven years come, we're going to live off of what we prepared for ourselves. You see scripture telling us in Proverbs 21, uh, 20. Don't turn there. Let me just read it to you. Proverbs 21, 20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. I can relate this to finances. The wise have a savings account. The idiots blow it on stuff that they just consume. You eat your food. I'm bad about that. You can ask Sarah. She was like, where's that 20 I gave you? I was like, oh, water burger. You know, like... Proverbs 27, 12 says this. A prudent person, a prudent, to be prudent means to be wise. A prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precautions. A simpleton, an idiot, basically, goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. A, a prudent person foresees the danger ahead and takes precautions. That means that someone that is seeing the potential of something bad happening is going to be wise enough to prepare for it. And we already said that something bad will happen to you in life. All of us here will suffer the death of a loved one. All of us here will suffer some type of catastrophic event in our lives that will cause us to lose faith, to question God, to question ourselves, fall into the deepest, darkest pits of depression, hide our anger, hide our, our hurt, and we will all go through that at least once in life. I promise you. And you're like, man, why did I even come to church today? I mean, this, this sermon's depressing. It gets better. So how do we prepare for those storms in life? How do we prepare? How do we prepare for the death of a loved one? How do we prepare for, for just the, the... How do we prepare for getting laid off of work and not having anything saved up? One, just read God's Word. Spiritually preparing your heart. I mean, read God's word. Listen to the promises he has for us. When you read God's word, you see scriptures that talk about the grace of God and the hope of God, the everlasting, unfailing love of God. And if you stand upon that, that you will have everlasting life. You, you see those promises. But if you never read scripture, you're only going to hear them once a week on Sunday, and that's not enough. Are you reading God's word? Are you at home listening to what God is telling you? Are you, are you really understanding that? Uh, number two, um, are you preparing by worshiping God, giving Him praises and thanks? 
So in the times that he provides, when he gives you an hour or two of overtime, are you praising him for that? Are you praising him for the mere fact that you're able to wake up and go to work in the morning? Many of us were injured or, 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 or you know, we're, we're, we can't work or we're having some hard times. Are you thanking God for the little bit that you have? Are you thanking God for the little bit that you have? I talked to a guy earlier this week and he was like, man, Felix, I'm just so thankful for even having the little bit that I have. Like, I'm, 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 I'm ecstatic about it. I don't have what I used to have, but what I have now is so awesome because God has given it to me. That's an awesome heart to have. To read God's word, worship, prepare and don't get lazy in life. Check out the scripture in Proverbs 6, says this, 6.6 6 says, Take a lesson from the ants. It says, take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Listen to their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince to govern or rule or to make them work, they labor all summer long, gathering up food for winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? And when will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Sacrily will attack you like an armed robber. It's saying this, uh, like, like, listen to the ants, look at the ants. Y'all remember the story of the ant and the lazy grasshopper when you're growing up? And all the ants, the ants come marching one by one, hurrah. And so they were, they, were, they, they were work all summer long, and here's the grasshopper, like, just chilling on the leaf, right? And then here comes winter, and the grasshopper is like, no food, no nothing, and the grasshopper dies, and the ants are like, you're having a pachanga inside the ant, the ant hole, you know? And the same goes in life. Are you prepared? I mean, are you prepared? Do you, do you have a savings account saved up? Something. Even if it's five bucks a week, start somewhere. Direct deposit that stuff, man. That's the only way we can do it. Me and Sarah, we're terrible about saving, but we're good about making sure that direct deposit's in there. All it takes is one time to say, I'm going to put, you know, $25 a week or $100 on my paycheck, direct deposit into his bank account that I can't, just easily get a hold of. I don't have a check card for it. Are you prepared? Are, 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 you, uh, are you, this is just financial advice now, are you investing in something that's yielding a profit? Like, dude, putting your money into a, uh, my grandpa used to have a, a pipe, and he would just stuff all his money in that, that, that doesn't do anything for you. You yield zero interest on that. Are you, are you investing in some type of mutual fund? Are you investing in some type of Roth IRA? Some type of long-term? Not, it's not about playing the stock market. It's about staying in the stock market for a long time. Do you have a retirement fund set up? Do you have some type of preparedness in your, in, in your life for that situation? Just be smart. It says don't be a lazy bones. Do something about it. Um, are, 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 you, are you working hard? To make that money, or, or don't be lazy. Don't be like, oh, I just don't feel like working today. I'm just going to call in sick. Oh, are you working hard? Are you, are, you, are you working towards that goal? So work hard. Read your Bible daily as well. So whenever the time comes for a loved one to be taken back up to heaven, you're not caught by off guard and surprised. You know that the promises of life are there. Number two, in the storm, take shelter. In the storm, 
take shelter. See, I remember when I was a kid, I went hunting one time. I love to hunt. We have a ranch out in San Diego, Texas, and, and uh, uh, it's a little ranch, but it's our ranch, and it's, it's all we have. But, you know, it was fun. And we were going, we'd hunt, and sometimes my dad would drop me off in the middle of the woods, and I was like, you know, 13, 14 years old, and I would just go hunting all day. Now, I remember one day sitting in the deer blind and just watching the storm rolling in. And if you've ever seen that, it's like the most beautiful thing because then if you start watching, right before the, 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 the weather gets up there, the dirt from the, the ground starts to come off the ground just a little bit. The, 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 the dust starts to rise up as the pressure sucks up in there. And so the rain was coming in. It was a beautiful sight. And then I noticed it was getting kind of dark and it was like lightning coming up behind it. I started thinking, like, well, I probably shouldn't be in this metal deer blind probably isn't the best place for me to be at right now, and I wasn't sure the wind wasn't going to knock it over. So I said, you know what, I'm going to get off the deer blind. I'm going to walk to the camp. I'm going to walk back to the camp, right? And as the storm started rolling in, I had misjudged how long it was going to take me to get to camp, right? And so I was walking through the woods, and as I was walking and walking, the storm started rolling in, and it hit hard, man. It was like rain and hell, and then the one thing I can think of, I don't have any shelter over my head. I got nothing over here. I got, I got no, no, no shelter, no safety, no nothing. And it was raining hard, and there was hail falling, and the winds were blowing heavy, and I got nothing, man. I had no shelter. I was caught off guard. And the one thing I was thinking, I need to find shelter in this storm. Right as I was just thinking, like, I'm, I'm just up the creek without a paddle, man. My dad, I see the headlights of the truck come up, and he picks me up, and he takes me back, man. He just... He took me back to a shelter, back to the camp. But it was a scary time. I later found out there was like tornadoes in the area. And I was out there walking in the woods, you know, like, golly. And that's how life is. Sometimes life comes over and it catches you off guard. Being caught in a storm like that with no shelter can be deadly. It can definitely be deadly. So where do we, where do we find shelter in life? Let's read, let's read God's word here. Psalm 57 says this. It says, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until the storms of destruction pass by. I will cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me, Selah. Now, word Selah is just a, is an expression of, oh my gosh. So when you read in the Bible and you see the word Selah, it's basically like a, wow. So let's read that again real quick. It says, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Wow. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. When the storms of life come our way, we have to seek refuge in God and nowhere else. You can't run from the storm. You can't stop the storm. You can't deal with it on your own. You can't be like the disciples trying to, to get the water out of the boat. You can't do it because then what? The last time I checked, the storms are a lot bigger than us. You can't fix your own problems. You can't clean yourself up. 
You're not going to find the true joy and peace in anything else but the safety of Jesus Christ. As the scripture says, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, for in the shadow of your wings I will take my refuge, O Lord. None of your possessions or the things that you own will bring comfort to you the way that God will. Not your car, not your truck, not your house, nada. Not your, your awesome TV that I might covet, nada, bro. None of you will be able to love one another the way that God loves you. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your husband and wife will not love you the way God loves you. It's true. You can't find comfort in that. The only shelter you can truly find comfort in is in the arms of God. You can run around in the storm searching and searching, but no shelter will, that you find will ever hold up to the storms of life. So run to him. Run to him. Don't run into the arms of a lover. Don't run into the arms of your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Don't run into the comfort of a drug or a pill. Don't run into the, the kiss of a bottle. Run to Jesus. So many times I see it, especially in church, and people are just going through problems, and they're like, oh, but man, I'm so thankful for so-and-so. He cared so much for me. I love him. He's so awesome. He, 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 he's there for me. Like, you're, you're dumb. He's not Jesus, girl. Run to Jesus, guys. Look, so many times we see people, and they get laid off, and they get messed up, and then they, they, they fall off the bandwagon. They've been in AA for a while. They've been, they've been doing good, and they, they, they struggle, and then they, they, they backtrack, and they, they're at the bar. You know, they're just kind of, they're at loose saloon, and they got laid off in the refineries or something. And they're just like trying to, 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 to self-medicate. Look, you can't, you can't self-medicate. You will never be able to take care of yourself the way God can. The disciples ran to Jesus. That was the first thing they did whenever the storm started coming. They knew that was a big storm coming. They knew it was one of the worst storms they ever did. And the way they say to him, they, 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 they awoke him and they shouted. They said, save us. That was in um, the same account. If you, look, if you read the book of Matthew, it actually says the word that they came up and they said, save us, Lord. Save us. There's desperation in their voices. There's urgency in their voices. There's this, this idea that they got no time to waste, that they are about to die, that their life has all gone down the drain, and they need to have someone step in and save them. They can't save themselves. They can't paddle the shore. They couldn't you know, take the water out of the boat. They couldn't, they couldn't have enough money saved up in their savings account. They couldn't foresee the cancer killing off their mom. They couldn't foresee the car wreck that, that killed their kid. They couldn't foresee all of that stuff. They couldn't foresee the loss of a job. They couldn't foresee that stuff. And they said, Jesus, save us. So let's run to Jesus first. Why waste time? I'm a paramedic, and it's one thing that we, we always say, like, don't waste time trying to figure out what's wrong. Just fix what you can see. Like, don't waste time, like, doing a full assessment on someone and trying to figure out what's, what's wrong. Like, you see the blood coming, you patch that up right then and there. I don't care if the world's falling apart around you. You take care of that victim, right? You treat the wound with right there. Like, just run to him first. Do go to him first. So before the storm, we're going to prepare for the storm. 
During the storm, we're going to find shelter in Jesus. And through it all, we're going to trust him. We're going to trust Jesus through it all. And this is why Mark 4.39, as the closing of that scripture says this. It says, He awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And they said to one another, and that word fear isn't just the word like, I'm scared, I'm frightened. It was more of a sense of awe. So they were like just astounded by this. And they were kind of freaking out by him. They were filled with a great sense of fear. And, and they said to one another, who is, it, who is this then? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Jesus Christ is sovereign over everything. He is in control of everything in our lives. If you think that you have it under control, you're out, you're, you're out of your mind. Jesus is the one that really has it in control. It's kind of like when we learn to ride a bike and we think we're doing good. Now we look back and our dad's still holding the seat. Like That's exactly what we're talking about here. Jesus has everything under control. He is sovereign over, over everything. And we can trust him because only he can take care of us, right? We can trust him because he can handle the storms in life. We can trust him because he can rebuke the storms of our life. We can trust that whenever we see a storm in our life, that if we do what Jesus wants us to do, if we live the way Jesus wants us to live, that eventually he's going to see us out of that storm. Notice that the storm still came, though. It doesn't mean that if you walk with Jesus that you will never have trouble in your life. That's, that's a really self-entitled attitude to have. We will always have Jesus. We will always have storms in our life, but we will always have hope in, in the Lord. One of the hardest things I had to understand is that and believe that as a new Christian, that years back, this, there was this concept that Jesus really was in control of everything. One of the hardest things I had to understand was that Jesus was in control of everything. See, like so many people, I'm a realist. Sarah says it's more like I'm Mr. Negative. I always see the glass half empty versus the glass being half full. I'm usually the one that looks at something and says that it's already too hard to do just by looking at the, the uh, circumstances around the task and say like, nah, we can't do it. That's too heavy to move. We need a truck for that. Don't even try to pull it with your own weight. Or uh, we can't reach that. Don't even bother. Or you know, that's too much work. Let's wait till we get more people to do it. And, and, and that's how I am. I'm always the guy that says like, ah, oh, no, I used to say, yeah, there's no way Jesus can take us out of debt. Nah, he, he hasn't even, that's not, it's not his concern. There's no way that Jesus can heal my broken heart. There's no way he can do that. He's just some mythical being up in the sky. That's how I used to believe before I was a real headstrong Christian. But, but here's the thing, as I started spending more time in Jesus, when I started spending more time in His Word, and I started listening to people who knew Jesus, and I started really enjoying his, his, his time and His presence in my life, I started seeing things around me. I started seeing the healing of the sick. I started seeing prayers being answered for, for cancer to be healed. And I started seeing prayers being answered for pain to go away. I started seeing marriages being restored. I heard stories of people who were being about to go and sign the divorce papers. And they literally, at the, very, at the courthouse, the judge would say, No, we're not gonna, I'm not going to divorce you. You need to go work this out again. And they went back and worked it out. 
I mean, I would see uh, the forgiveness uh, of anyone, people who were, who were um, hurt badly and uh, abused emotionally by people, that they offered forgiveness to the people who sinned against them. I saw that. Um, I, I saw him pull us out of debt by just, by just listening and, and doing biblical things, man, being prepared. I've heard stories of people being brought back from the dead. And you say, well, we don't see that here in America. I'm like, well, see, we don't believe the way people believe. We don't have desperation for the Lord the way people do in other countries. The more and more time I spend with him, the more and more he revealed himself to me, the more and more he proved me wrong. And I tell you what, I loved it. I was seeing God in front of me. I was falling in love. I literally saw miracles in my life and in the life of Sarah and people around me. And it was awesome. The same God who did all of these things in the people's lives around me is the same God who rebuked the storm here in this story and brought peace back to the souls of the disciples. Trust him. Trust him. Jesus can handle any storm in your life. It does not affect him. He is not phased by it. Who was asleep on the cushion, guys? Who wasn't even, like, freaked out about it? So no matter what you're going through in life, know that he is the only hope that you have to get through a storm. He is the only hope you have. The hurt and pain that you're carrying does not have to be carried anymore. He will carry it for you. And through him, you can stand firmly planted in the middle of a hurricane. So be prepared for it, because it will come. Seek shelter in Jesus when you're going through it and trust him through the whole thing. Let's all bow our heads and pray. God, thank you so much for just the people here today. God, thank you for the movement that you're doing. God, we prayed earlier that you would just meet us where we're at, and I pray that you would just, at this moment, right where we're at, that you would just pull us from where we're at and move us to where you are now. God, that we may just love you, Lord, more. We may trust you, Lord. God, that we may not be lazy in our lives, that we may prepare and take action and be proactive in life. We, We may prepare for the storms that are coming our way. May we may study your word. We may fall passionately in love with you. May we may be responsible as men. May we provide for our families, men. May we grow up and be strong, um, godly men. As women, may we be prepared for our children. May we teach them and guide them well. Lord, may we seek shelter in you whenever storms come. God, when the winds of life are blowing and we feel as if we have no solid ground to stand upon, may we trust you through it all. May we lean on your word. May we lean on your spirit. Father God, I love you so much, God. We love you so greatly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.